and um, I'm really, really um, humbled and honored uh, with all of your check-ins. It's always really fascinating to see what experiences people come to the table with. And what is so amazing to me is like, I just want to learn from all of you when I hear you check in, like, oh, cool, what'd you do and how do you do this? And so um, I really want to make sure that you understand as we all spend time together today that we won't be, uh, we'll be playing, we'll be breathing, we'll be going through our handouts, but it's not like um, I'm sitting here and telling you this is exactly how it is. Everything that we do as uh, yoga teachers, we're kind of like pirates and we steal people's booty, and then we get off the ship and we go to the next one that's kind of cool, right? A lot of people don't just stick with, you know, like the more rigid uh, militant style when you're teaching children. You really have to kind of capture different elements from different um, styles and different practices, whether it's PT, whether it's, um, you know, something that someone would learn as a doctor studying to be a psychologist. Um, or a school teacher. Um, All of these different things come into play when we are um, working with children. Um, One of my biggest things that I really um, am trying to emphasize in my career and my life path is that anxiety and stress is a crisis in our culture and I want everyone to have opportunities and skill sets to self-regulate and have self-awareness practices. So my goal and my mission and my objective in the things that I do, whether it's teaching little tykes, little kiddos, um, to um, teenagers and adults and um, people in uh, nursing homes or what now we're calling lifestylers, which is 55 plus, I try to teach them with the same philosophy of breathe, stretch, and play. Where the breathing, as you just experienced right here with all of us, It was a way of kind of switching channels. We left what we were just doing, we sat down, we took a breath, and we started to pay attention and settle into our bodies and our senses versus being all, um, you know, flying all around like a little mat. And then we move into uh, the stretching, which is so great to self-regulate and to balance out the body-mind connection and get your central nervous system to really start to work properly through the movement practice, which is yoga. And then the playful nature of it is, is I think that because we are a culture that's so up in our heads, we're not really giving ourselves the opportunity to have that childlike wonderment and curiosity of the moment. And we're really kind of missing out in not using that to our benefits because that's how worlds are created. That's how all kinds of amazing things happen through imagination. One of the most incredible yogis was Einstein. You're all like... "Mm." And uh, did anybody ever read Little Women? So Louisa May Alcott's father had a salon uh, where gentlemen would get together and they would have discussions and they brought in yogis from other cultures to uh, learn about different lifestyles and disciplines and philosophies like the Bhagavad Gita, right? Which is a fantastic story, 
that um, allowed uh, uh, people to learn mindfulness through storytelling, like Aesop's fables. And one of the people who would come to the salon, or two of the people, were uh, Walden and Thoreau. So a lot of the poetry that we now um, get to you know, read and listen and study to comes from the philosophy of yoga. In my other mission and passion for my life is I have some handouts for you in bringing mindful moments to children, especially three to nine-year-olds, um, my background is a product developer, so I'm an industrial designer by trade. By passion, I am a yoga teacher because it's a lifestyle practice I started when I was a teenager. And um, I pour oxygen cocktails now for a living. And using the skill sets of yoga, and uh, the mindfulness practices combined with my industrial design background, I created a top health and wellness app that hopefully all of you have downloaded and are using because this can be plugged into your smart boards or your whiteboards at school and can be played at home with your three kids on your iPad. And it goes from cartoon to live action, teaching kids mindfulness practices to take a breath, calm your mind, and build energy. And it teaches the kiddos, as you see on the handout there with the, uh, the, the uh, mission statement, it teaches the kiddos to join the team because namaste is part of what their superpower is to create balance. And it, this works really well, especially for those of you who said that you are working with the um, first and second and the uh, kindergartners. If you um, have them kind of be part of the team to have a peaceful, balanced life, teaching Namaste as an acronym that are more of you know positive life lessons, good good golden rules, um, and very esoteric woo woo stuff from the yoga culture, and it makes it a little bit more tangible and accessible. So you can see here um, when I started teaching in schools 20 years ago, Namaste was a little scary and they would cancel classes an hour before because a parent would get really frustrated. And even now, as yoga and mindfulness practices are being accepted into our lifestyles, it's still a little bit um, uh, fearful to bring in language and different cultures to certain regions and certain populations in our world. So nothing is impossible, always be honest, make the world a better place, act with kindness, share with others, trust and believe in yourself, enjoy and have fun. And in all of this anxiety and stress that we're dealing with in our culture right now and the crisis that we're dealing with, um, we're really using breathe, stretch and play to create a strong body, a clear mind, and a pure heart. So that I loved when someone said, uh, when they checked in, and Olivia, you said to regulate emotions, because that truly is a lot of what we're doing. And all of you know the word responsive classrooms. 
correct? Yeah. So responsive classrooms and very um, uh, are, are, are really using the yogic techniques and philosophy for uh, social uh, emotional balance. The other handout I have for you is all of the characters. So another thing that could work really well is to, you could teach your own yoga class after we do some of the things that we're gonna do. And each character in and of itself is a yoga pose. Um, and super stretch, we have flashcards, which we can look at during, uh, you know, when when we're done, but uh, it's teaching kids how to tap into their superpower of balance. And each card goes from cartoon on one side to a, a picture of a kid doing it on the other side. So you as a teacher, they're color coded, can just literally set up a class with your cards. But if not, you can just download this from the internet and you can have the kids uh, color in their favorite character and then practice that pose. And that works really well for uh, kids to have something uh, visual or tangible to work from. And the other fun handout that I handed out to you is mindful moments. It's just stuff I do with adults when I teach corporate. So it's just fun life rules. And the sheet that we're going to really spend a lot of time with today is uh, going over the Enrichment Workshop handout, which will um, really help with what you're kind of focusing on, mindfulness at home, anxiety and stress control, just different strategies to work into your uh, preschool classrooms. Um, So if you would like to, with that stapled sheet, we can take and turn it to the first page. A lot of times when I hand out materials, I like to throw the kitchen sink at people because some people really like to read a lot of things and other people just want to talk. Um, but this is stuff you can take home and then use in the future. Um, in the first paragraph, as we start going over this, um, yoga is a tool that will last a lifetime. And the playful movement and the positive psychology offers children and even adults the focus, clarity, and alignment into our inner workings. Happiness is truly our birthright. And uh, when Marissa had checked in, she said that she wanted to really kind of bring in the concept of self-love to children. How many of you notice that uh, that is a big uh, deterrent to happiness and ease or joy, that you find people are really um, self-sabotaging? Uh, Right. Um, what's really interesting is um, I'm a big meditation person also. So I was hanging out with um, Joseph Goldstein from Insight Meditation. And uh, someone asked a question in this presentation. 
And it was fascinating the way that he replied to it, and it was about self-love. Um, we really need to uh, find a way in our culture to take a deep breath and um, find that optimal alignment so that we can really listen to our sensations before they fester and implode. When Joseph was asked during this lecture about um, self-love and uh, his response was fascinating because in mindfulness practices, self-love is already there. The idea of ahimsa, for those of you who aren't big yogis, have you heard the word ahimsa? So ahimsa is a beautiful word and it would be just like that mission that's for super stretch that the kids kind of sign. It would be one of the main precepts or the main principles of what you're teaching in yoga. Ahimsa is that in thought, in speech, and in action, you do no harm. Okay, so most people have taken to that to the point where, oh, I just don't eat meat, right? But how many of you said some nasty thing to yourself today? Oh, you guys are awesome. I'm impressed. How many of you had someone kind of swerve into you in traffic and you got like, Argh. no? How many of you, and this happened to me this week, were riding home on the street and some Uber driver almost ran you over? And then you said, fuck off. <laughs> right? I did. I lost my yoga mat. It fell out of my basket. I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God. Right? But it, that is not practicing ahimsa because you're um, in thought and speech and in action. Everything that you do is about that awareness of self-love and we are all one and uh and that to me is the crux of what we're teaching when we bring breathe stretch play into someone's life because that ruminating hole of depressiveness and anxiety and stress that people start going into is because of that negative kind of connotation in our heads so when someone asked Joseph about how to bring self-love into a mindfulness practice, he said that when the Dalai Lama came to hang out with us, have you heard this story before? That's fascinating. When the Dalai Lama came to hang out with us and spend time, and we were all sitting and talking about mindfulness and community and taking the, um, this amazing practice out to people, someone asked that question about self-love and he, the Dalai Lama didn't even know what that word meant. They literally had to take and have a private conversation with this translator to explain how Americans are so um, negative or um, self-sabotaging or put, put, put ourselves down because in the culture that the Dalai Lama grew up in and the culture that mindfulness practices might have been originated in, they didn't even have a word for not having self-love. It's kind of fascinating. So I think that that 
point that you brought up is really huge in when you're bringing these tips and tools and uh, fun things that I'm going to talk about today into a classroom or into your house or into um, you know what you're going to offer your uh, uh, college students to be teaching to others. Um, it's really interesting to remember that we're just trying to create playful connections so people can find positivity within. So without moving, look at how everybody's sitting. Right? One of the biggest things and words that I like in this first paragraph is alignment. Through the process of alignment, we become firmly rooted like a tree. And like a tree, when people are healthy, nurtured, and flexible, we grow roots to bear fruit and shine brightly. So when we can really um, even just sit tall and um, teach someone to have proper alignment or optimal alignment, that affects the central nervous system to balance the hemispheres of the brain. Because a lot of what we do, whether we're playing, whether we're doing yoga, whether we're doing jazzercise or karate, which is what we hear next door, we're integrating the right and left hemispheres of the brain. So we're affecting our neurological pathways. It's pretty awesome. And because yoga was created as a self-regulating skill and sensory integration tool to teach one to relax and find balance, everything that you do, even if it is playful, because yoga is very much a disciplined practice. In the East, it's much more taught as like a militant kind of a thing. But if we bring that playful energy into it, it's still going to be therapeutic and joint freeing and flowing. The human body is really, really resilient, but when we get into that space of uh, meanness to ourselves and um, sadness, that anxiety and stress kind of messes up our mind and stops because we're literally training the brain, what yogis call samskaras, those broken records. And those deep grooves can get deeper and deeper and deeper. And we really want to help young people, teens and adults, and lifestylers 55 plus to learn resiliency so that we don't get stuck in those broken records. Um, in an invocation that you practice before, <coughs> bless you, before an Ashtanga practice, there's something that says those broken records are poison. Samskara hala hala. Moha Shantie means that freedom. We can be free of those broken records and ruminating thoughts if we get rid of the poison by playing, by releasing them, by sensory integration, by optimal alignment. Another thing that's really huge um, is when you have the resiliency in paragraph two, your muscles are driven by your brain and your brain is driven by your muscles. So the more you move, the more brain cells build and regenerate. And our spine supports the health and healing of the central nervous system. 
It's the protector of the superhighway of our machine that leads to our brain. It's literally, really, the blueprint of our essence. So if there's a blockage in a malted milk that you're drinking, or a milkshake, does anybody like milkshakes? Or have the coconut shakes, or I don't know, something non-dairy? But you're going to your favorite creamery and you're getting some ice cream, and your ice cream you decided to put like chocolate and strawberries, or you got a DQ blizzard and there's a peanut stuck in the straw as you like suck it up, right? You're not gonna have any of the sweetness, which really sucks. But same with our central nervous system. If we get rid of the dis-ease, all we have is ease. If we get rid of that blockage and we move around a little bit, all of a sudden we have created an open conduit to tap into your prefrontal cortex and do all kinds of incredible stuff. Um, and the thing that helps your superhuman engine stay fine-tuned and in harmony is the breath. So a lot of stuff that we're going to do today, like with the uh, cotton balls and the straws and um, the balloon, is really focus on uh, breathing exercises and fun little practices. Are you all getting that like hangry, sleepy feeling? Kind of? No? You're doing okay? Um, one of the things that I thought we could do first to kind of play around with the breathing which activates the parasympathetic nervous system and leads to increased serotonin and dopamine in the body, which is the happy hormones, is to uh, um, do something called a balloon breath. And so there's a lot of different balloon breaths that we can do, but just to kind of wake ourselves up, and you can do it seated, you can do it laying down, you can even do it standing. So, which, should I show you all three options and you can choose which one you want to do? Yeah. Okay, so everybody take your index finger and bring it into your belly button. And I grew up with the Pillsbury Doughboy, so I, you have to go hee hee. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so your index finger is in your belly button. Take three fingers on the other hand and bring those fingers all the way under the index finger. Good. Take the index finger out of the belly button and bring it below those three fingers. Cool. So release the three fingers and just keep the index finger to the belly button. So I think this is a magic button. And one of the things I was talking about when I was giving a little bit of a uh, opening on myself is Superstretch is working on an SBIR grant, the, the app, because it has over half, um, 550,000 downloads. So it's used in a lot of different places around the world. So we're doing an SBIR grant, and I was telling the doctor of a university, a big mucky muck, and I was teaching him about where the breath emanates from. And it was really funny. He's like, how can we write this into the grant and do scientific practices on teaching people where to truly breathe from? Because when you ask a kid, or an adult, where do you breathe from? Most people are breathing from their nose or their mouth or, you know, and that is that like shallow chest breathing, right? How can you cue someone to breathe and do statistical research on how to really get people to breathe from down right here? Because one of the reasons that our bodies um, 
or yogis love to kind of make tree references is because our central nervous system at the base of it, the ganglion nerves, those little roots, look like the bottom of a tree. And then they come up to the top of the head and your head kind of looks like that tree blossoming, right? And we're in a place called palm and pine. So we are going to practice breathing from this place in the uh, three fingers below the belly button. And that's why we're gonna do balloon breath. So your first option is to lay down on the ground. And this is really good if someone's totally in their head and um, kind of so out of whack, and especially a child who doesn't feel like they have support or someone who has their back, because then you're laying on the ground and you've got that like full-on connection, and it's super hard because you're doing basically a crunch. You are a flat-out, mushed-out balloon, and, you, and then as you exhale, you start to work from that place, three fingers below the belly button, and you squeeze everything in. And then you inhale and you oh, open, open, open. And then you exhale and you squeeze in, right? So someone might be spiraling or really like very, very active, or you might have a pre-K classroom that's like totally fidgety and widgety, right? And then you have them do that 10 times and all of a sudden you have turned down the volume and you amped it up, amped everything kind of down to a more neutral level playing field. Okay, other option, and I do this like say before a vinyasa class with a group of teenagers or adults. And someone said farm to table and I'm doing this cool project with Urban Ventures in Minneapolis. So we're creating like a life cycle class where we're doing mindfulness practices and learning about nutrition. We'll have to talk after. Yeah. yeah? So we have this nice stability with our feet. And I always like to, when people are standing, you know, when we stand at the top of the mat, ta-da, a lot of people, that is not good. Like say the issue that you're challenged that you've had since you were younger. Or like my hips don't go that way, right? So I like to say frontal hip bone distance apart for Tadasana or whatever feels good because everybody's acetabulum insertion into their hip socket. I'm using a lot of big words. So if anybody has any questions, I'm not doing it to sound impressive. It's just my brain. But the like uh, the trochanter, the bone that Pebbles had in her hair from Pebbles and Bam Bam, that when it goes in there, everybody's hip socket is different. So some people like need to take a wider stance. So this breath, as you inhale, you open up really wide. And then you exhale, you get really small. And you push it out. Inhale and open, open, open. And exhale and push it out. So that's another option for a balloon breath. And even when we checked in, we did a balloon breath seated with our arms, right? And that Hoberman spear. And then the final one would be if you were sitting in a chair, you can do that same thing. You just are inhaling and you're opening, filling up the belly. And as you exhale, you're pressing your belly to your spine and you're just curling up really small and you're just getting tight like you're giving yourself a hug. So say you're in a classroom setting and kids are sitting and they're testing, they're getting ready for a test, but their minds are all really busy. You can just keep them seated or you can be teaching this in a um, facility where people are getting over injuries or, um, or uh, going to a, even a nursing home um, 
whether it's a clinic or a nursing home, you're still gonna just have them inhale, open as wide as they can, and exhale, curl up and crouch in. So those are our three options. Pick your passion. That was, uh, did anybody take class this morning? Yeah. Right, so we took class this morning and I loved when Kat was talking about be stable and aligned like a tree, but uh, there's this beautiful thing about how all trees are different, so accepting where you're at with no judgment. Awesome. And we'll just do this 10 times. Uh, uh, right, yeah. All right, wherever you are. Um, how many people run? Okay, uh, and I'm sure those of you, I'm like not a doctor, I play one on TV, but I know that for children, when they're really wound up and very anxious, running or swimming are some of the best things that you can have them do, even before you're gonna say like do a, a yoga, is because you inhale through the nose and you exhale through the mouth. In yogic philosophy, and we'll play around with this breathing, but a lot of times we do the ujjayi pranayama, the victorious breath, where it's just nostril breathing, especially with children. I like to say inhale through the nose like you're smelling the flowers, and exhale through the mouth like you're blowing you know, this, the, the little things from the dandelion away, or you're blowing something out, or you can see the color of the breath releasing, because that really gets your body to settle in versus this nostril breathing is a little bit more challenging. Okay, here we go. On your inhale, open, open, open. And exhale, let it go. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. And you can switch form and try different ones. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Last one. Push all the air out. Exhale. Inhale. And the best part is now just give yourself a couple deep breaths to kind of rebound. No judgment, no kind of preconceived notions. Just allow yourself to breathe. Feel that pure potentiality of the breath moving through you. Maybe even notice the stability of your senses. 
as you created that rhythmic response. And now that you've started to really explore your body on that adventure we just took with the breath, and to slowly come on back up. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Made the water bubble. <laughs> Did you feel a switch? In your, do you feel more integrated? You do? I did definitely. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it, if I was doing this with a kid and like nurses and staff were watching, they maybe couldn't help breathing slower themselves, so that would bring the whole room. Down. Right. Because it's kind of hard to not mimic somebody's breath work. Yes, that's great. Especially if they're always on and their breathing's shallow, just seeing that slow, yeah. Awesome. Um, the last paragraph, um, what I find interesting is that even that simple exercise that we just did really helps you uh, give a good example to how just a simple tool or a, a skill in action, which is one of the definitions of yoga. Yoga is skill in action. Um, that's such a good coping mechanism. So if someone really is tripped up or flipping their lid, that you can kind of settle in and uh, balance yourself out during life's challenging circumstances. Um, Super Stretch is involved with a lot of other really amazing mindfulness programs out there in the universe. So if you've ever seen this before, this might be redundant, but have you ever seen, um, um, I love teaching kids about the brain and to think of this as a spine and this as your head and your brain. And so you don't flip your lid, that you allow yourself to kind of learn about the different parts of where different areas are in your brain so that you don't kind of lose your mind, but you find stability and alignment in your central nervous system. And that is uh, the next kind of thing that we're talking about is that, you know, your body-brain connection is so huge because um, when you feel aligned, you create a grounded sensation. Um, I don't use the word grounded that much anymore because when I started working with a school district um, in Minneapolis, the kids that I was working with kept saying, I don't want to be grounded. My parents do that to me, right? They, it's a really bad kind of connotation to them and they kind of took it the, and I was trying to be positive with it. You know, oh, you're grounded and stable like a tree. And they're like, no, that's when my mom puts me in my room and I can't have technology and you know, so you just have to, really find the languaging that works for your group of kids. But if the uh, muscles are driven by the brain and the brain is driven by the muscles, this neuroplasticity that we're learning more and more about is really, really fascinating. 
And yoga folds our spine in six different directions. So it really supports the health and healing of your central nervous system. So if you do have your favorite malt from Dairy Queen and you get something stuck in the channel, you don't have to just kind of give up. You can actually clear it out with breath and movement and get rid of that discomfort and dis-ease and really bring yourself back into balance. And balancing is a lifelong challenge, right? It's not like we're always gonna be totally even killed, but it's how to make the high highs not too high and the low lows not too low with breath and movement practices. Then we have um, uh, forward folds. And what I did here is I just gave you some little cues as to what um, different uh, positions do. When you are in a forward fold, like monkey pose, um, uh, it alters your hormone levels, you can see here. It turns on the parasympathetic nervous system um, automatically. And very crass kind of way is it basically gets your head out of your ass. <laughs> because when you're in this fold, it's like getting your body to get out of this space right and it's bringing you back into the center of your being so anything that causes or creates that natural traction like i love that you're in the chair so like in a chair you just kind of walk your hands down your legs and you fold forward right and then you could do a twist and all of a sudden you've helped your adrenals because those uh, twist poses help release anxiety and then you've done your forward fold to get out of your head. And when you bring yourself up, that fresh oxygenated blood rushes through your system and calms you down. Balancing poses are really good for um, teaching people to um, in balance the midline. A lot of times when, when we're teaching adults, especially in like an Ashtanga practice or a more victorious breath practice where you're really trying to create the internal body heat, we say things draw to the midline. And you can really tell that like a 360 degree breath or the Brene Brown word for wholehearted, right? Wholehearted living is wholehearted breathing. When people think about breathing, they think about pretty much this is all they're breathing, this capacity. But, and we're gonna move into the breathing practices in a second, but we have, most of our lungs are in our back. So let's try a little exercise as we move forward to this. Um, let's just do two and two and two and two and two, and then you can be my buddy. Okay. So will you be the demo buddy? Oh boy. Am I going to yeah. slip on this? No, no, you're just going to sit down. Oh, it's okay. all good. This is easy. So all you're going to do is you're going to sit in this. Has anybody ever studied yoga therapy or been interested in yoga therapy? So this is a, from a yoga therapy thing. It, it's a four breathing stage practice that we do. We're just going to do the first breathing. If by the fourth stage, what you realize is that most people are breathing from their shoulders. And when they're breathing, they go like this. Right? What happens is, is if we're going to take our hands, and you guys say, is it okay if I touch you? Of course. Okay. We're going to take our hands, and we're going to just place them at the lower back, below kind of like where women wear um, their jog bra kind of cinches in there, 
Um, and we're gonna just place our hands to the low back. And we're literally just gonna sit here and breathe. And in the process, we're gonna just feel and sense where you start to feel the breathing going. Cool? So find your partner. And um, you can do this in the chair if you want to, too. Just would scoot. Uh, you know what? Use this bench. Sure. One person can stand on one side. What? Oh, sure. Yes. Awesome. Okay, so we'll just be nice and quiet, and you're touching your friend's back, and breathe. And observe. And then as softly and as calmly as you can, tell your friend where you felt the breathing and what you noticed. And then we're gonna switch so that they do it to us too. So be nice. When your hands were there, I was more taking out. I don't know how to bring it. I I think you were very interesting. Yeah, you didn't like notice the person that they're into. Yeah. 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 Y
talking about, um, Jenny was saying, it's hard to do touchy-feely things like that, like in a school environment, because you have certain regulations. But you can also, like in a home environment, or if you have a safe space environment, or even, like I like how Rachel's going into child's pose. Um, I'll do with kids and parents when we're having a family yoga class. It's called Rock in the River. Can you be my partner? Okay. So with Rock in the River, all you do is you stand behind them, but you still place your hands to the low back, and then they inhale and exhale the same way. And it's cool because you're doing a forward fold. Anytime you're in child's pose, your head is below your heart. And when your head is below your heart, it's considered a forward fold. And if I wasn't talking, then all of a sudden we're creating this deep connection where I'm not pushing hard, but we can start breathing, and you'll notice them breathing into your hands. Did anybody have kind of like a light bulb or an interesting thing happen when you did that experiential practice? We just said it takes a lot of mental thought to think oh. that way. Like you have to think about it. Ah. It's naturally, like my natural breath does not flow that way. Right, and so do you think that your natural breath is more shallow? I think it's like more in my rib cage. Okay. Like, like and even when I think about taking a deep breath, I yeah. tend to expand my ribs, but yeah. I still feel like I hold like my belly and abdomen. I still like hold in. Yeah. And I think that's probably like a lifetime of doing that. that yeah. Has to be unthreaded. Right. It is. It. That's. It, I love that visualization. Yeah. Whereas anybody like, wow, I didn't realize my shoulder moves, or wow, I didn't realize that I didn't breathe the entire depth of my body, or? Yeah, I realize, well, I've known that I breathe in with my shoulders, and it's more of an anxious breath where it just felt more organic. Cool. Yeah. So, I like props, I like toys. One of the things I love is getting weird balls from, like, the dollar store is, like, your favorite friend. Dollar store is the best. So at the dollar store, you know, you can get like basketballs and different kinds of things. A lot of times I'll get those like kind of catch balls that they have, even at Target, you know, they have the bins in the summer. And I have people, if you can't touch, lean against the wall, put the ball behind them and try and mush the ball without pressing back. But to feel the ball get flatter, you can't use like a tennis ball, but you can use a more mushy kind of a thing where you're all just leaning back. I used to have people use actual balloons, but then they pop them and they freak out. <laughs> so that doesn't work so well. Um, as we transition into this kind of um, the next page where it says yoga fitness equals fun, playful movement and exercise for body, mind and heart. Um, let us take and just come into wherever you're at. We'll do some cat cows. 
So whether you're, oh yeah, you can do them seated. I do cat cow seated all the time because we're just, um, I'll show you, I'll sit on my heels, someone can go crisscross, someone can lean anywhere. But wherever you are, to do a cat cow, you don't have to be on your hands and your knees, right? So you can be on your hands and knees if you want to. But um, is anybody interested in kundalini practices or tantric practices? I mean, everything falls under the umbrella of tantra yoga. Tantra is not about sex. It's about moving energy through your body and uncoiling those threads and those knots that we've kind of created energetically. So um, science is now proving that, and that's why I love my what we're doing with our SBI grant with Superstretch is because um, we're able to put science and, and prove what yogis sometimes use a lot of woo words and like well like if you fold forward it's going to help you be a better human right <laughs> or you're, if you fold forward and your hamstrings are really open that means you're a more compassionate human but then the person next to you is like fuck you bitch so you're telling me that I'm not a compassionate person right you know it's like so I, that's why we're trying to take the woo woo and like actually solidify it in, uh, in science okay so here we are and one of the things that we like to start with especially in like kundalini stuff is to almost like you're moving a hula hoop, right? So you're just moving around, whether you're seated, cross-legged or on your knees, or in cat-cow, notice how before you do your linear cat-cow, do your little Sufi movement, where you're just kind of organically creating some space to unwind that coiled up bound stuff. And then go the opposite direction. And then come into a neutral spine, whether you're seated on your hands and knees or in a um, chair. Inhale, lift your heart. Belly hangs, shoulders broaden, chin lifts up. There's that subtle little compression in the back of the neck. And then as you exhale, aim your chin to your collarbones. Broaden your shoulders, arch your back hollow your belly and the last little thing is your pubic bone and tailbone make a little oop, movement and then start that same way go real slow belly starts to lengthen as you move from your cat to your cow heart starts to open shoulders reach back looking up so that you take your breath really slowly chin to the chest Broaden your shoulders. Your exhale just slingshots your belly button to your spine. Pubic bone starts to move towards the belly button as your tailbone lengthens like a tail. And then opposite direction, moving from the tailbone. Pubic bone starts to follow. Belly starts to get big, heart starts to open, shoulders, your collarbones, your breathing buttons open, your chin lifts high, and exhale to a neutral position. Nice. 
That's another thing to really focus on too is that I think a lot of times in our movement practices, especially a culture, our culture is really grasping onto vinyasa practices. Everybody moves so fast. Do these things with the kids really slowly. And will you be my model? One, oh yeah, get your cat cow on your hands and your knees, please. One thing that's really interesting, especially to do with adults or kids, and we might do this in the master class tonight, is to take your fingers like two little, um, uh, like a little man walking on either side of the spine, and you can only move your back where your fingers land. Because most people, when they do cat cow, they go, uh, 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 right? So it's basically you're breaking right here. But if you breathe really slowly, like we were doing, and you round just the neck and shoulders and then start to go through the mid back and then see what I, so if you cue it a little bit slower, it's way more effective. Thank you very much. Everything that we're doing because of this growing epidemic and stress and related Ill, um, illnesses um, with kids um, is to really help to uh, play ourselves out of that hole that we're getting into. So it just lists some different things that are giving us uh, our challenges, worry, exhaustion, feeling disconnected. I'm really glad I didn't grow up in the era of Facebook, um, right? It's just like, whoa. Um, trauma, we're learning a lot about, you know, through ACEs programming and stuff. If you are not into that, we can talk about that after. But there's a lot of trauma that is starting to manifest itself. Um, body insecurity for magazines, uh, all these different things that are happening. Well, when you do yoga, you're managing stress in a healthy way and you're giving kids a lot of coping strategies. One thing we really want to make sure in the bottom paragraph is that practice is progress. Kids are strong and centered and there's no need to be perfect and you're not forcing things. You're just making a step forward to be the best you can. And there's always going to be room for improvement. Because I think with children, they always want to you know, emulate what someone thinks is the best. But we're trying to teach them that we want to be our best self, mm -hmm. not someone else's self. So we did, if you turn to the next page, we start going into breathing practices. Um, as we did that example with feeling someone's back, two thirds of your lungs are at your back. So you want to teach kids how to be more efficient machines. The go-to breath that we um, usually do in a yoga class um, when we're starting off, whether your teacher starts you off in Shavasana in an adult class or you're starting standing at the top of the mat, is a three-part breath. And I don't know if you've ever called it integral breath or Durga breath. Some people spell it D-U-R-G-A. Some people is D-I-R-G-A-H, Durga. But that integral breath, is teaching someone to breathe belly, lungs, and ribs, ribs, lungs, and belly. So with kids, when I have them do that, I have them take a hand to the heart and a hand to the tummy, and I have them lay down on the, their backs. And then literally cue, like it says there, inhaling belly, lungs, and ribs, and exhaling ribs, lungs, and belly. 
One thing that is really kind of interesting that you can try to do with that is to um, try and start to add in timing or breath ratios in a very mindful way. You don't really want to do a lot of breath practices with timing for kids because it can do the exact opposite of being positive. It can actually trigger a, a break. So you could, um, one thing that is really great to do is a um, counting breath of a 4-4 breathing. So you're inhaling belly, lungs, ribs, hold it. Exhale, ribs, lungs, belly, hold it. Some of you know this as a square breathing, if you've done that before. Um, kids like things to trace. So having a, um, you know, a piece of paper or sit, putting something up on your whiteboard or on one of those dry erase boards, that works really well. But that three-part breath, that Durga breath, that integral breath is one of the best ways to get any human being to start to calm down. Because if they really think about uh, a deep diaphragmatic breath, they have to start thinking about their belly engaging in the practice. But not just the front, as you saw in our example with the back, too. So another really fun balloon breath thing I like to do, and you all received a balloon, yes? So if you cannot touch your friends back in school and really see how that feels, you can lay down on your backs and you can <coughs> clock your knees together. Your shoulders are open, your body is calm, and you have your balloon, and you're trying to make sure that the entire back touches the ground. So when you inhale, you're trying to fill up your back, like what Jenny and I were talking about, so that when you exhale, everything relaxes, because your belly contracts. But your inhale, you're trying to open the entire circumference of your body. And the most fun is that last breath because then you let the balloon go and it sounds like big farts. <laughs> so you ready to try it? All right, so you're on your back. You got your nice balloon. Your knees are comfortable, they can clock together. So your feet are a little bit wider, your knees touch, and that gives your um, lower lumbar region time to spread out. Take the balloon in your hands, inhaling through the nose, and then exhale, blow up your balloon. Good, inhale, breathe in deeply. You get to let that funny noise. And exhale everything out. 
Try doing that about five times. So that's a fun way to um, get, uh, get the entire circumference of the body to start breathing. Another thing that I really like doing is the Kleenex. Those of you who have taken like a yoga teacher training and were really trying to teach someone how to find like a Ujjayi breath or a victorious breath, they might tell you to inhale through the mouth and feel the air at the back of your throat. And then exhale like you're, uh, you know, really loudly through the mouth. Inhale. Exhale. And then you close your mouth. Inhale and make that same noise. And then exhale through the nose. So you're trying to create that kind of connection to the back of the throat and that deep ujjayi breath. Um, what I like to do with littles to kind of get them to figure that out is more of a visual way. Sometimes people have a hand, so you're saying fog up the mirror with the hand. Take the Kleenex that I just gave you and place the Kleenex in front of your face. All right. Now inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth and make the curtain move. Good. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Make the curtain move. Good. Okay, who's having a hard time making the curtain move? Make sure that you're, yeah. This is so perfect for kids. Yeah. 
Okay, now inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose and make the curtain move. <laughs> inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose and make the curtain move. Inhale. Exhale through the nose and make the curtain move. Just, it's, it's like you're hidden. That's really cute. H how many people thought that was hard to make the curtain move with the nostril? It takes my thinking. Yeah. I love how you're all saying thinking, and this is like a non-thinking space. <laughs> right? I know. No, it's good, because that's like what our English is putting to it, like thinking, but it's actually like unthinking, right? Yeah. It's like physically feeling it. It is super, super hard for most adults, even if they're taking tons of yoga classes, to really get the concept of that forceful exhale. So that's a really great kind of tool um, because when you say fog up a mirror and you have a kid like breathe on their hand, you, you, you don't see it. But when you see it, it's a whole other dynamic. Um, another thing I like are feathers, but they get super, super messy, so I didn't pull them out. Do you want to use feathers? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you pass feathers to your friend. And this is really cute and fun, but it's this has started to get a little bit, yeah, they're already coming out. So grab a feather and pass, and, and yep. And then you get to pass your feather yeah. to your friend. So you two can be partners. Cat's gonna be like, what? So you two share the feather, you can pass. You play, play, play catch with a feather. And then you two can play catch with a feather. Thing. So it's 
Yeah. So I have coworkers who do um, like physical activity work with kids. And yeah. They, they've done it as like a yeah crossing the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I think you blow it with one hand and you have to catch it with the other. Yep. Oh. Like, it's it's yeah. harder than it sounds. Yeah. Blow with one. Blow with one and catch with the other. Yeah. So we're going to do uh, a super walk that yeah. is kind of like that. But yes, that is, I loved when I heard that from the corner. And I think learning how to work together and being yep. supportive of each other. Oh, I love that. Co-creating collaborative experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a much much better said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very official. The person will be like, yeah, that's good. Oh, you sound really smart, Jenny. Let's play with others. Yeah. Yeah. I have an idea. People come in my room and I'm like, it really is a scientific. Yeah. It is. We all just bring all the handouts. This will be on my desk. So, so if anybody comes in. <laughs> that's awesome. So there's a, um, speaking of science, we all kind of know a little bit about the vagus nerve? No? Okay, so this is a huge part of your parasympathetic nervous system and calming your body down. How many people, when they do camel pose, get tripped up and get like, uh, in Yiddish it's spilkes, where you feel dizzy, you feel uncomfortable, and you're like burning up and you like want to throw up? Anybody get that way? That's good. Yeah. Yes, you do? Yeah, so you're in camel's pose and you're back, and then all of a sudden you come up and you're like, oh, bleh, oh, and you feel really gross, and you have to go into child's pose, right? A lot of people feel that way because they're um, actually pinching or affecting the vagus nerve. So vagus, spelled here, V-A-G-U-S, is very different than Las Vegas. That is a huge part of why we do yoga. The vagus nerve is from your brain all the way to your tummy. But you know when you have those icky feelings or sensations and you feel it in your tummy? They are tons of studies right now about, they call the tummy like the second brain. But think about how we were created, right? I'm not a doctor, I play one on TV. So you're like a little embryo. And so your heart, your mind, and your tummy, they all kind of like cells that split up from each other, right? And so they are really good at communicating with each other. What's wrong in our culture is that we've disconnected this from our tummy. So the vagus nerve affects the tummy. So if a kid says like, I feel, you know, like sick to my stomach or that they can't really explain what's going on, but they have a tummy ache or they're getting diarrhea. A lot of time it's because their vagus nerve might be working, but their mind is trying to tell them that it isn't so, right? Okay, so the vagus nerve can be affected just by doing some of these fun um, animal noises. So I'll have kids do, I'm king of the jungle. Ah, and your mouth is open and it's helping you calm down. And it's like tapping if anybody still studies EFT mm-hmm. or any of that good stuff, right? So that's a whole other thing that we're not getting into, but adding in EFT and chi, I'm gonna have you, you all do a chi practice with each other that helps build energy for adults. I really like it. Um, but uh, that, I like like the um, tar, um, Tarzan or Jane, you know, that you are really letting go. That's great. Um, in uh, the chair yoga, if anybody's taken that, we do something called Pat the Bear, which comes from Qigong, which is really cool. Uh, then um, you've seen like um, lion's pose in 
Fatabi, uh, I mean, in um, BKS Iyengar's uh, Light on Yoga book, anyone? So in the pose, and I'm not going to do both legs, but you go into full lotus. You bring your hands forward. You talk about integrating right and left brain hemisphere stuff, right? Um, brain Gym, too, has a lot of good stuff on that. So you can Google Brain Gym. That's on this list of things to look up. But you literally come through, you swoop up, you stick out your tongue, and you go cross your eyes, and you go. <sighs> You're supposed to do that like five times, and then come back. So that's an actual pose. I didn't make it up. So with kids, what we do is we get on our knees, and we talk about courage, right? And so lion, Simha, the lion, digs through the dirt, and is he or she is courageous, right? And we talk about all these fierce things and how to tap into your power. And then you take your hands to your knees, just like a cat-cow, you hollow out your back, right? There's your cow or your cat. And then you pull your thumbs towards you, lift up your chin, so you're engaging the vagus nerve. You open your mouth and you stick out your tongue. And you roar at all your friends. Ready to try it? <laughs> Seriously, do this in the office and no one will ever talk to you. So if anybody's bugging you in the office and you want them to leave you alone, just roar. But it, uh, that opening affects the navis, uh, vagus nerves, calms your parasympathetic, relaxes. If you cross the eyes at the same time, there's a practice in, in yoga that we do called trataka. But um, when you cross the eyes, it's also helping balance, it's a, the fastest way to balance the midline. Another thing that helps to balance the midline, and we'll do this after Lion's Pose, so I'll show you in a second. Ready? Set. You have to look at all your friends and roar like a lion. Pull the thumbs towards your hips. Lift your heart, stick out your tongue. <laughs> So you can do that at a dinner table when everybody's like amped up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But do that like three times in a row and really have them roar, sticking out their tongue, and you will see a dynamic change in the energy level of the room. Another thing that's really interesting that um, this is from like uh, massage therapy practices, but if you move your jaw, like Say you're getting TMJ, right? And this is a midline thing. Take your bottom jaw to the right, but look to the left. And now look back to center. Take your bottom jaw to the left and look to the right. And then look back to center. So that is to help not only TMJ, but to balance the midline. Another thing that's really fun to do with kids with breathing exercises is to howl like a wolf. Ow! No one's gonna howl. Ow! Um, a whale uh, is um, where you like kind of hold on to the breath and you pull up, push out all the breath from your blowhole. So kumbhaka, kumbha is pot in Sanskrit. And pot, like if our body is a vessel or a pot where you hold things, when you do a kumbhaka, you're holding on to the breath and then your exhale lets it go. 
So it's like getting out all the icky toxins. So that would be a breath thing where you could do a counting. Sniff like a bunny is breath of fire. And that's another great way I like to get kids if they're sleepy and it's that like, you know, midday blues, get them to wake up. Hum and buzz like a bee. Bzzz. Say someone has a tummy ache or someone has something going on and you're literally buzzing into a specific area of your body so that you can let go of that thing you've been holding on to. And if anybody has ever studied Reiki or any hands-on healing modalities, that's like taking a laser and getting right into that spot. So if you're dealing with someone who has having issues but can't really explain what it is, and to alleviate some of that pain is let's breathe a buzzy bee breath into that area and start to let it go. And that works really well. Um, laughing like a donkey, panting like a puppy, um, hissing like a snake. Uh, anybody practice alternate nostril breathing? So this is a great thing to do with kids, but in a more mindful way. Alternate nostril breathing has a really, really um, uh, amazing, amazing breath ratio practice. And you can do alternate nostril breathing in many different ways, where you start with the left nostril, you start with the right nostril. Um, you know, it just depends on what focus you're trying to get from it. But with kids, I do dolphin breath, and you open your arms up really wide, and you make your pointed fingers because you're number one. And then you take and you plug up the right nostril and breathe out through the left. Inhale, breathe in through the left. Plug it up and exhale through the right. <laughs> Inhale through the right. Plug it up and exhale through the left. And you get the gist, but you also have to kind of make sure because some kids that's too anxiety provoking. So you wanna just, if someone's making funny faces or seeming like it doesn't feel really good, that is not something that I would have you do with them. But that is a really nice way to balance the hemispheres of the brain. Um, counting breath we had discussed. Um, just timing the breath. Like one of my favorite things is, have all of you seen these energy chimes? These energy chimes are great. Um, you can um, do a lot of different things. You can set a timer and say that we're just gonna be quiet for three minutes and have the timer go for three minutes and you're very relaxed. Um, and usually what I have kids do if they're on a desk or if they're in child's poses, I have them take and um, this works really well with teenagers, two scoops of ice cream, and you cool off your head, and it's a little bit of a forward fold, right? And you're just breathing, and you're just having that calming space. But um, a, one of my favorite ways to use the chime is not to ding it because everybody's really busy and they're not like listening, is to say, I'm going to hit this chime and we're gonna just pay attention and listen. And the only time we raise, our, uh, uh, we raise our hands when we don't hear it anymore. And that works really, really well as a time or a space to just start to listen and just start to be relaxed. 
Um, mantra practice is good too, but in, um, in America, it's kind of evolved into CBT, right? So um, positive affirmations like I am, and then kind of focusing a breath with that. Um, Back-to-back breathing, so we did hands-on touching, um, but you can also do back-to-back breathing. Would you like to try that with a partner? So you sit back to back, and even you can do that on the bench if you do half booties, if you want to try that. So you want to find a new partner and sit back to back and try it? Sure. This is really good for couples therapy, too. Who wants to be my All right. Yeah. All right. So all we're gonna do is, if your knees are bugging you, you're welcome to straighten out your legs, and we're just going to take and lean against each other. Feel the support of your friend. Inhale through the nose. And exhale through the mouth. Inhaling. And exhaling.
like making times for a time in. I loved how you said mindful moments, breaks before your staff meetings or something, but taking mini breaks um, and really realizing our relationship to time. Downtime and sleep um, allows our hippocampus to rest and we process and rejuvenate. If we don't get that good sleep, that's even exacerbating the issue of anxiety and stress. And that's exactly what we don't want to because we don't want to get into that place of crisis. Um, at the end of each thing that you do with the kids, um, you know how we did that like mm, uh, where we had the rebound? And we kind of, after we did our first breathing exercise, when you have that rebound and give yourself time, for kids we call it rest and dream time and it allows you to integrate. Um, mini meditations and guided visualizations work really, really well, but what I want to emphasize in that first line is that you really need to be a role model and practice it yourself before you can teach it. If you're just faking it, it's like when horses can tell that you're afraid of them, right? Or animals, or like the dog wants to bite you because they know that you're a scared. Um, the... Um, Meditation with magic stones is something that really works very well. Uh, with kids, um, I don't know if you're into crystals, but I really like like rocks and crystals, and there's very healing principles of stones. Um, like there are stones that literally have lithium in them that help kids when they're near them calm them down. Uh, so crystals and stones, if you're into that, um, that's a great thing. But I'll do meditations where we'll sit in a circle and you hold the stone and then you pass it in your circle and you just are really quiet and you can't say anything until the stone comes back to the initial person who had it. And then you get to talk about what it felt like, how, you know, how, did it uh, affect you, did it make you happy, did it make you sad, all of that good stuff. Um, I think that's a lot of times why yoga teachers have like malas or um, beads around them is to actually create that sacredness in the space but also to ward off any evil. There's my Darth Vader. Um, progressive muscle relaxations like a yoga nidra or body scan. Um, this is something that I teach a lot with kids. Uh, where you do a, a body scan, it's almost a little bit like hypnosis that you're hypnotizing someone into a calm state of being. And um, 
have you ever um, done um, uh, when you do uh, silent ball with kids? It's kind of like playing dodgeball, but in a nice way. <laughs> so have you done this before? No, some of you, some of you not. So you play, you're really quiet and you play catch, but if you, and you're in a circle, and if you laugh or if you say something or if you do something, then you're out and you just keep playing and that's a nice kind of team unifying practice. Um, another silent thing that I do is, um, same as stones, um, smelling different scents puts you into different states. While lavender would be calming or cedar, lemon would be zesty or energizing, those kind of tools to carry around. Um, kids and um, adults are highly sensitive, right? And so we wanna make sure that the essential oils doesn't burn or affect the person who's going to get the product. So that's why your cotton balls come into play too for this. You put the cotton balls into an old container, cut a hole in it, and then you put our silent and you pass around this container. I'm cramming in a lot of information in two hours, so I, I'm starting to talk a little bit faster because our time is waning. Um, but this is a great silent practice. Uh, another thing is, is um, you know, from the dollar store, getting dice and rolling the dice and then however many dice uh, number shows up, like four, then it would be, we're gonna take four deep breaths, <coughs> or that could be for four minutes, we're gonna color and be quiet. You can really use the dice for anything that you want, but you're giving the kid the opportunity to be the teacher. Um, another thing that um, I like to do, and we can um, stand up, and this is on your sheet. And these are in the page that are called Super Moves to Help a Challenged Child Ground Down and Find Center. So this is what we call a super run. And in the super run, uh, your hands are out and you take and you exhale and you place your hands onto your knee. And then you reach your arms up and you place your hand on the other knee. And if you need to get more vigorous about it, you reach your hands up and you bring your elbows to your ribcage. And you inhale and you exhale. So you're taking someone who might be really in a right brain position and you're going and combining right and left hemisphere. So you're doing a run. I like the touching because then it's a sensory thing and the kids like to make a noise. <laughs> and the other thing that works really well um, is if you take and step your right foot forward and your left foot back, all of a sudden you are in a stance that could be a warrior, right? A hero's pose. So if you reach your arms up, same kind of a thing. This is balancing the midline. Exhale, pull the elbows to the ribs, straighten the right leg. Good. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, lunge. If you want to start adding in some of the things we've learned about, inhale, lengthen. Exhale, now stick out your tongue. <sighs> inhale. Exhale. <sighs> inhale. Exhale. <sighs> Get the gist? 
So there's really fun things that you can do. Um, on that same page with the super run, um, you're trying to get your, um, in your body to calm down. There's something called the um, RAS. So it's the reticular activating system, which is the mid part of the brain that helps you focus and balance. So this is something that gives you examples of those CBT mantras and also allows you to calm down. Something as simple as touching your tongue to the hard palate. For yogis who practice Ashtanga to go deeper into your practice, a lot of people start lifting up their toes so that they don't, you know, they're just on the ball mounts and their heels. They're really activating the arches and they're activating. And another thing yogis often do is touch the tongue to the roof of their mouth when they're practicing the entire time. It gives you that Mona Lisa smile. Um, but that activates the RAS. Another thing that you can do too is to unroll your ears. And this helps with like um, listening and a memory. And if you just take and do these little rolls, say your kiddos, your three kiddos are really wound up and they're having a hard time going to bed, I'll have kids go through um, something that Super Stretch calls, it's like you're a tube of toothpaste, it's a body scan, and you're like a tube of toothpaste, and the kids massage their ears or the parents massage the ears as the child is in bed. Because the same nadis and neurons and um, pathways of energy that we have running through our body, those, that's why our ears are so sensitive, because they're all in there too. Um, there's also games in here like trusting pinky walks and really fun things like that um, to uh, do with older kids. Um, do you ever bring balloons to your classroom or bubbles to your classroom? These work really well because then you're exhaling. If you're going into a nursing home facility, when you do bubbles, you have to stand behind them and blow because they don't have the air capacity to blow the bubbles. Just FYI. Uh, and then the other tricks that we had is you all had a straw and a cotton ball, correct? So one of the things that the kids absolutely love is to have cotton ball and straw raisins. <laughs> so you lay down on your tummy and you're gonna get your cotton balls. Oh. <laughs> game on. Game on. Right? <laughs> I know, game on. Hold on one second because it's like way too good. I got to hold. I know, it's hard. You have to write your names on with a Sharpie next time, right? So it's an interesting kind of a um, way to practice exhaling, right? And you can do that like when we were kids. I mean, you don't want them to make spitballs, but you can play at the desk and just pass um, a, a scrunched up piece of paper. But that works really well um, also to practice breathing exercises. Um, I also use, other than rocks and crystals with kids, I work a lot with like um, Silly Putty. Do you ever use Silly Putty? Silly Putty works really well. It's like the ancient fidget widget. <laughs> so, but just to have something to squeeze and kind of play around with. I put in here some um, 
mindful eating tips and some books and um, nutrition um, things, some music, some books on brain science and neurology for parents if you're interested in that. Um, I love the book No Mud, No Lotus about mindfulness and emotional intelligence. So there's a lot of, as I said, I threw the kitchen sink in here. Um, and then when you get to the back, I gave you some sequences or some practices that you can do um, like uh, for depression, ADD, ADHD, um, things to do for anxiety, all that tapping stuff. That's really great for anxiety. I gave an example of a body scan in here and that's like um, just like squeezing the toothpaste before bed or something if you want to take a break in your classroom. Um, more in a kid, it's a yoga nidra in a kid language that you can use. Um, postures that work really well for anxiety and stress. I made a list for you. Sleep disorder things to do. Um, stomach and intestinal things. And then a little bit on asthma. Because a lot of time asthma is manifestation of anxiety issues. And so on this list when you have things um, described. Are those in the app? Like if we don't know what they are? Uh, yes. Um, uh, uh, there are 12 poses in the app and there are um, over six, uh, 60 cards in the flashcard deck okay. and, um, and um, on your coloring sheets, the download coloring sheets. Um, I also have a, a, a SoundCloud iTunes. You just look super stretch yoga and you can literally like there's over 200 um, uh, podcasts that you can listen to to learn about stuff. What was the app called? The app is Super Stretch Yoga. And same thing for the podcast. Yes, podcast is Super Stretch Yoga. I am um, a content creator, but uh, so I'm I, content with purpose, hopefully. Another thing that um, I use a lot with the kiddos is um, the chair yoga that is going to be uh, tomorrow and um, partner yoga. So I have um, examples of some of my materials here if you want to see them of things. The chair yoga has been studied by the University of Minnesota uh, for its validity and um, Chair yoga can be taught to make movement practices for everybody. So I highly recommend, um, there are some podcasts on this on my, um, uh, for under super stretch that give you some chair yoga sequences for kids in school. Yeah, so there's all kinds of good stuff. Um, and now that you all have been hanging out with me for two hours, um, practicing um, different tips and tools, you know, like as an enrichment workshop where we really just skim the surface of things that we could do. Um, is there any big question that you've kind of missed or are interested in talking about? Um, I'm reviewing what you all kind of wrote down um, that you really, um, didn't get touched upon during our conversations together. Doing okay? 
your head's full of stuff. <laughs> you're like, I gotta get outside. It's really nice. Yeah. Well, how about I do that body scan for you before we leave, and you all relax, because your brains have been working. So if you want to relax and just lay out or sit in a chair or lean against the wall, whatever feels really good. Our ultimate goal in our practice is really coming back to that idea of self-love. And we came to the mat today with curiosity. And we live our lives as seekers. That's why you're all here to learn. You live your life with that friendly curiosity. Feel yourself relax as you come into the breath. And as you pour yourself this oxygen cocktail, feel a really big smile in your heart as we come back full circle to the beginning of class, that ahimsa. where you've really offered your body, your mind, and your heart compassion. As you're laying down right here, right now, feel your legs and your arms relax on the ground. If you'd like, put one hand on your tummy and one hand to your heart on your chest. And just breathe. Inhaling and exhaling together. Let's take a really good breath in through the nose. And then exhale from the mouth. Inhaling belly, lungs, and ribs. And exhale ribs lungs and belly inhaling belly lungs and ribs and exhale ribs lungs and belly feel the ground supportive and feel it holding you like a hug from a parent a friend or a caregiver you're safe and you're starting to relax. Feel the breath as soft and as cuddly as a stuffed animal. And as you smile as the breath moves in and out of your nose, start to watch your thoughts. But just like a movie, you're just watching them go by you're not holding on to them. Your thoughts are as light as clouds in the air. Inhaling ease and good stuff. And exhaling love as you're blowing out happy, colorful air. Sense every bone in your body letting go and getting soft like spaghetti noodles.
Can you feel the space between your clothes and your skin? Your tummy's rising and falling with every yummy breath. Your feet and your toes can feel the breath as it moves through them like water. Your legs are long and strong. And your kneecaps are floating to the sky. Can you hear the space between your heartbeats? As you sense gratitude in your belly. Enjoy your shoulders and arms soft and relaxed like a jellyfish. Your fingertips are like seaweed swaying in the sea. Your neck, your head, even the hair on your head is as light and as airy as a kite. And like a pirate on an adventure, you're exploring the space between your ears, left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right, finding all the jewels. Your mind is peaceful and open with no thoughts. Your tongue, your teeth, they're super soft like jelly beans and sweet as all the words leave your body. Your eyebrows are relaxed. They're so relaxed you can feel them almost wiggling like caterpillars. Your eyes are resting. And your eyelashes are like butterfly kisses. As your face softens like cotton candy. Now experience the positive and super powerful feelings of you.
Feel the curiosity in the breath. It's like your best friend, glad to see you as it moves through your body, giving every cell a hug. Start to feel tingling in your fingers and your toes as you move them around. Start to feel your body elongating like a beautiful boardwalk. So the path from your toes to your fingers to the top of your head is really straight and true. And feel all that power that you have as you bend your knees to your chest. And you roll slowly to a side. And you press your body up into a seated space. And you bring your hands in front of your chest. And feel the really nice lightness you've created on the mat and share your superpowers with every person you come in contact with off the mat as you bring your hands to your forehead for right thoughts and you bring your hands to your mouth for right speech and you bring your hands to your heart for right action It was an honor and privilege to be with all of you beautiful people here tonight or this afternoon. I hope you have a really, really awesome rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And then in super stressful land, we say namaste, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing is impossible. Always be honest. Make the world a better place. Act with kindness. Share with others. Trust and believe in yourself and enjoy and most importantly, have fun. Thanks for being here. Thank you.